Hi, I'm Jason. And I'm Paul. And this is the Hi-Fi Sci-Fi Podcast. And today we're going to be talking about Season 2, Episode (sighs) 1, The Child. (laughs) Jean-Luc, Shorty Specs, Mysteries on the Holodex, Asteroids, Triple Droids, Telepathic Betazoids, Transporter, Deadly Claw, Visitor from L.A. Law, Photons, No Kirk, Captain Has Gone Berserk, Shuttlecraft, Council Troy, Dr. Crusher's Little Boy, Klingon Rights, Parasites, New Heights, Phaser Fights, Data's Head, Tasha's Dead, Wyke is Hanging by a Thread, Celebration, Transformations, Everyone to Battle Stations! Joining us for this discussion is Ed, who uh, joined us uh, at least once, actually a couple of times, if I'm remembering correctly, for Twice. in season one. Yes. At Angel One and... Yeah. Justice. Justice. Yeah. Justice. And uh, mm-hmm. I think Paul had it right when we were starting, uh, before we even actually rolled any tape. Um, I think, Ed, it would probably be best if we started this discussion about this episode with why this episode. Because you got to pick. Paul and I have to do them all. But, Ed, you, you came right out swinging saying, I want the child. Uh, I think it. You can't find a worse example of writing uh, in any form in media than this episode. Uh, and and there, there are multiple. I mean, it's going to be well-worn ground, what we talk about, I'm sure. I'm sure that many people have made many opinions on this particular episode. Uh, but there's some interesting sort of backstory, I guess, about this episode as well that helps explain some of that, but it still doesn't mean it should have ever been greenlit. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Especially to uh, to start the season. That, that's what struck me the most, is this is a weird place to start season two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A really weird place to start it. Yeah. Um, and, but, but I want to, before we get into the bad, because I can tell that, Ed, you know, obviously you came right out and said one of the worst pieces of writing, um, which which I will say, I don't think this is a strong episode, but I, after having lived through what we just lived through for the entirety of season one, I still think that's a bold statement to make. This mm. episode is, is problematic in a lot of ways, um, but I don't think it's the worst that we've seen. I just think it's Maybe one of it makes some of the most disappointing choices. I think uh, out of some of the episodes we've seen. But but Paul, you're also very anti this episode, as we could tell even from your intro. Yeah, um, I just can't find any way to be excited about this one. It's, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I mentioned before I, I watched this one three times because um, I had caught it in syndication um, just randomly, and then watched it twice for the show. And it's just it's one of those that. I don't know. It doesn't get worse because it's already pretty bad, but it definitely doesn't get better. And you just keep seeing the same things that are wrong. And there's so many scenes that themselves are microcosms of the failures of the episode um, that, I don't know, it's almost like they planned them to be microcosms. <laughs> but an example would be small continuity errors. Like when they hand the baby, they have pulled a baby out and then they wipe it with a wet nap and they hand it to Troy. It's perfectly clean. And it's those sort of continuity errors that are like, well, they're not hard to spot. So it really feels like nobody cared at all <laughs> when they were shooting this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I think I think because this episode is going to be weighted so strongly with the negative, I will start by saying that even though I don't think this is a good episode, I actually found myself liking this episode more than I was prepared to. Um, in, especially in some of the rewatching slash retelling, uh, when I saw it the second or, or third time, because, uh, yeah, the overall story with the child is just problematic for so many reasons. But the things that actually jumped out at me that that were really kind of fun to see, um, maybe it's just because I've spent so much time lost in the desert of season one. But <laughs> uh, but it was actually really cool to see, um. Jordy as uh, as the chief engineer, um, mm-hmm. it was it was really nice to see um, 
uh, deck 10 forward. This is literally the first time we see 10 forward in action. Yeah, Guinan um, shines in this one. I almost stood up and cheered when, when Guinan was there because mm-hmm. I think you forget um, when, when you look back on TNG how important and how pivotal uh, Guinan is as a character and how important Whoopi Goldberg is, is to the show um, because she really, I think adds a whole other dimension of humanity, which is kind of ironic because she herself is not a human. She's an, supposedly an Elorian, but we'll get to that later. Um, but but she she really acts as kind of the, the center for the show because characters who who normally, you know, in their dealings with other people would seem like they have it together, they get to be pretty vulnerable around Guinan, and they get to be more human, I think, around Guinan. And we see that in a really nice scene with her and Wesley. And I thought, I thought that scene right away, right out of the gates, does a lot to establish her character, uh, what she's about, um, how how she can help you know people kind of find themselves. Um, and she says stuff that you're not used to hearing people say in Star Trek: The Next Generation up to this point, right? She's just refreshingly mm-hmm. honest, and she's really like, this is how it is, and and she she's very. She has no pretense. She's just she's very real. The, the, and I will say the the Guinan stuff is great um, because Guinan as a character is great. Um, it's hard to really say any bad stuff. Um, she has a few slip ups here and there. Um, one I've already been on record for saying that I hate uh, that'll come up later, um, a few seasons later. But um, yeah, the, the the trick really is you could. It's hard to say that the. Guinan stuff in this episode is is good and um, I mean really to just jump there that that makes this that redeems this episode in any way because the good Guinan stuff is going to be around right she's good all the time like mm-hmm. uh, it's one of those things that it's great that she's here um, and it's great that she hits the ground running so quickly in this episode um, but we're going to see tons of Guinan right yeah yep yep <laughs> No, I'm not trying to say that she single-handedly um, saves the episode. I'm just saying, like, when I saw that scene, I, I was oh, yeah. I was very no, excited. It is good. Yeah. The The other thing that I'll point out is, actually, the, um, the this episode seems to take a pretty good leap forward in terms of uh, usage of effects. There are some really nice camera shots of, a, of like, a shuttle mm-hmm. flying out of a shuttle bay. Yeah, um, I noticed that, too. Looks really convincing. Looks really nice. Um, the whole thing that the containment system that Jordy builds for the plasma plague um, <laughs> is kind of... Like it's a giant like a jungle gym. Yeah, I, I mean, like, it took them some time to do that, right? Like, they, they had to actually build... A pretty decent prop for that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a it's a pretty decent practical effect when they all light up and and when they're beaming them in, you know. Like I thought that was cool. I liked the plot elements with the plasma plague. Um, I liked the. So maybe of, that's a good place to ask for clarification because I watched this three times and I still <laughs> I tried. Um, I tried the second time. I tried hard the third time uh-huh. to figure out that arc. <laughs> and the I plasma could, plague, the plasma plague arc. So they're just transporting these these, uh, these samples. Sa- samples so that they can determine of, create a of the plague, so that they can create a uh, vaccine for it. Well, and that's kind of what they front load you with, and then they mm-hmm. say like they're all kind of different, and a bunch, and then Pulaski ugh, has a scene where she doesn't really understand a whole bunch of medical, simple medical stuff, <laughs> and then. Like you mean like what a symbol is in a medical yeah, catalog? Yeah, she's like, oh, for... what's that? It's like, oh, that's like, <laughs> it's it's the type of plastic that's recyclable. Person who works at the recycling center. Right. Um, it's like that. And yeah, so they're taking that there. But then in the epi- end of the episode, it's like, oh, I hope these help. Because everybody was talking about how urgently these are needed because people are like dying today. And mm-hmm. the guy's like, yeah, who knows if we'll ever find a cure. Might mm-hmm. take forever. <laughs> so what you're saying is they invented uh, pointless MacGuffin so that they had a reason well, to have this character leave the show? Is that what you're saying? Well, because it's also like... Because that's what it seemed them, like to me. They needed them at a medical station to do something. It's like, well, if it's so dangerous to move them, couldn't you have done it like the place you were storing them? It's like, well, I guess they needed it like today. But they're not even hoping to have a cure like this year, the way he says it at the end. Well, not if that guy is going to come up with a cure. <laughs> that guy was the worst actor I've ever seen. Oh, he was pretty bad. He has I like, think he did say MK at some point. So. Yeah, it's like bad. He's like he has lines that are just like, how bad is it going to be? 
bad. <laughs> and you know that's where they like cut to commercial. <laughs> that guy <laughs> took me so out of this episode. Anytime he spoke, <laughs> yeah. I thought he won like a fan contest to be <laughs> in the <Old> show <laughs> because he was not an actor. If that guy ever did any work after this job, oh, I have, he has man. a great agent. Uh, it was terrible. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, I'll be honest. I think I I just spent a handful of minutes being complimentary to this episode. It's um, that's about all I got. He was gonna say, are you, are you done? Are you, I don't have a lot a, else. Um, yeah, there's a couple other notable premieres in this episode. There's the premiere of uh, Casimir Pulaski or uh, Catherine oh, Pulaski yeah. or whatever her name is. Nice. Uh, yeah. yeah, little little the midwestern Chicago reference there. Um, and then also the premiere of uh, Riker's Neckbeard. So yeah, and the Riker the maneuver. Neckbeard. He breaks that out in like the first minute. Well, he does a he does a forward Riker maneuver, yeah, and, and then, then he a does a reverse back off it. Yep. yep, he does a reverse Riker maneuver, <laughs> which is which is pretty fantastic because it's uh, it's oh, very man, pronounced. For those of you who don't, is beautiful. Yeah, for it's those of you who don't know, I don't. I think we've talked about it on the podcast, but the Riker maneuver is. Uh, he's an exceedingly tall man. Jonathan yeah. Frakes is yeah. is a giant, um, <laughs> and apparently the furniture uh, on the sets is built for toddlers, so he can just like climb over it. So yeah, if ease. you have a chair anywhere near you, like if you're in a car, you should just stop and go to an IKEA. Like <laughs> you want to put a chair in front of you, facing away from you, and then you want to walk towards it, and then like a hurdler, just take one of those legs and just swing it on over. And then guess what? You're sitting down already. Yeah. You're in a chair, <laughs> buddy. You're in a chair. <laughs> <laughs> and he, I, I think what was impressive to me is that I think we're, a lot of us are familiar with the forward Riker maneuver, which is coming over the chair to sit down. But he literally stands yeah. up and does and a reverse back over it and walks out of yep. the room. Yep. Um, that would be like, I, I, I feel like I could do the forward one, but that backward one, like, man. If there were some Olympic games, I feel like he would have gotten tens across the board, except for the judge from Romulus, who is always a jerk. But <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, he really uh, he really nailed that uh, a couple of times. So so that was pretty great. Um, but but the thing the thing that I thought about this episode as I watched it because it, it really it do, it just doesn't hold together and it starts to fall apart pretty quickly. But the way that they choose to resolve this episode is particularly disappointing. Um, because it, whatever you can say about a lot of the choices that they made, I think there's a seed of a compelling idea here, right? Because we really, uh, and it's kind of telling, we haven't really talked much about the child at all, but I think that's... Well, we're going to get there. Yeah, I thought we were getting to the bad part. We haven't gotten the bad part. up all the rest and then... uh, Yeah, yeah. It's central to the episode, obviously, because that's what it's called, but it's just, it's so problematic for so many reasons. But but to skip ahead to, to the very end, this whole idea of a child being born to experience life, uh, you know, from start to finish is kind of an interesting sci-fi concept. But the whole yeah. end of the episode, to me, um, if you guys remember the Simpsons episode with uh, introducing Poochie. Um, <laughs> oh, we're... He- <laughs> At the end of the episode, does he just say like, "Hey, I have to go somewhere else"? And then I, they, like, I must go now. My home yeah. planet needs me. Oh, and then he's gone. And that's kind of the kid, right? He's like, "Oh yeah, oh I've got a. I guess it's me. I'm the problem. I have to go now." And then he literally dies. And then it just it doesn't work for so many. Like Deanna's reaction doesn't work. Oh. His choice there doesn't work. Like. There's no tension. There's no drama. There's. It's literally the definition of a Deus Ex Machina. It's yeah. just like none of the characters in this show were ever in control of literally anything that happens, and they're not instrumental into in the way that it resolves at all. So you yep. you watch 45 minutes of television, and then you just go, so that happened, I guess. <laughs> well, <laughs> and, and move it, on. The, even the merging <laughs> of the plots gets really muddled. Yes. Right. They, because the idea is this kid's like giving off radiation or something, mm-hmm. and then it's upsetting a sample. MacGuffin and radiation, or or yeah, whatever this kind is. Yeah, and um, <laughs> yeah, and then they're like, "Well, what happens if it grows?" And like, "Well, it'll break out of this thing." And they're like, "Can we throw it in a space?" And they're like, "Well, but then like it'll hit a planet or a ship." Like, well, well, and, they're, and then they're like, "Okay, I guess we can't do that." Like, well, there's a lot of space out there, frankly, but could we like throw it into the sun? Could that solve it? Yeah, they don't. They they literally have a starship and the means to go wherever they want. And and I feel like their definition for why they can't do anything with the samples is 
really silly. Like, yeah. just really, <laughs> really silly. Like, oh, no, it, it's... Uh, and yeah, it's only one of the samples. Yeah. And they have 512, which, um, you know, I meant to, to run some math on this to try to figure out if that meant anything in a hex grid, um, which they're building... I don't think it does. I'm just going to say I my gut says no. It's, it's a you know, it's a power of 2. It's not it's not going to play out in a hex grid. Somebody <laughs> must asked someone else to be like, yeah, they're like what's a computery sounding number? Like, I don't know, 256. Like, no, more. 1024? No, that's too many. 512? <laughs> yeah, that'll work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah. It um yeah, I mean, I I really um I really wanted to like this episode because there are there are pieces of it that I like. There are um you know it, it starts it starts to feel more Star Trek because a lot of the things are are more familiar. The stuff that we just talked about, the fact that you know Guinan's there, that we have Riker with Riker's a beard, stepping over chairs. Riker stepping over chairs, <laughs> you know, I mean all that kind of stuff, but and and um but it just oh, doesn't it doesn't but- work. For, for every Riker maneuver, you have him sitting in a conference room saying, well, who's the father? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think uh, that's a year since you brought that scene up that, I mean, I think I've talked to this on previous podcasts about how my favorite episodes are the ones where they take a situation that's just kind of like a hypothetical and they expose all these characters that you, you know to the situation so mm-hmm. you can kind of try to predict how they'd react. Um and the only time that really gets to happen in this episode is when this table of men is discussing mm-hmm. the fate of this woman's child. Yep. Um, and she has to sit in the corner for yeah. some reason. She sits and 30, alone and looks 30 away years from later, you know, men are still deciding women's the fate of women's <laughs> child children on, yeah. on primetime <laughs> yeah. television. This is another one of those places that is a macrocosm, a microcosm for this entire episode, right? Yeah. It is a bunch of men sitting around a table saying, I think we understand how women work. Mm-hmm. And it's it's got to be a microcosm for the writer's room. Yeah. yeah. This art. And the two, I would like to point out that, that there are, um, the, the reason I, cause I wrote this down after the second time watching it, it would be unsettling enough if it was just a bunch of dudes talking about the fate of someone else's unborn child, which already is like, <laughs> no, yeah. please don't go there. And it's, it's also one, woman doctor who's not really good at her job well i mean the other woman in the room i wanted to yeah i wanted to bring that up literally there are two women in the room and then a few other dudes and the two women are the two people who should be having this conversation period you know i mean like the the woman who is carrying the child and the medical doctor who is overseeing (laughs) her care like and the only redeemable part about that scene is when she uh troy finally does say something and she's she says i'm going to have this child yeah thankfully picard's reaction to that is appropriate which is like well the conversation's over but it led me to immediately think why did we have a conference about this to begin with right yeah (laughs) and i mean are we doing this yeah i mean in all honesty to the, the the there's that i mean there's just why did you have this conference there's also the the sort of sci-fi answer of why did you have this conference, which is she would be quarantined immediately, mm-hmm. and right. there's no question about that. They'd be like, yeah, you can have the baby, sure, but we're gonna like keep you in this section of the ship that's near no one else. Like it wouldn't even be a question. Like, <laughs> and, no, yeah, uh, you know, I mean, the 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 the. the the sort of contagion, you know, I mean, this is more of like a pregnancy storyline, but the sort of idea of being impregnated by aliens is not a new concept. Uh, and like literally every other sci-fi series, either the thing gets out right away and causes havoc before they can do anything about it, or they try to contain it and it can't stay contained. Mm-hmm. And so but like that, that there, I mean, I know that they did a, you know, a test on it and it, it is only her DNA despite somehow being a man. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> Uh, you know all of that, and you get the idea that um, she, you know, like that that she would be conflicted about it. Um, I mean, we haven't really they haven't really established like, you know, if she really wants to have kids or anything like that. You just sort of assume she does, I guess, because she's empathic or whatever. But like that whole like beginning of the show could have been the meat of the episode. Like it, it didn't have to. The kid didn't have to show up before the first commercial break. You know, it, much more of this debate over this could have happened, and then they could have had some of these same conversations. Like, why are we trying to decide this? You know, uh, 
we just need to know if this thing's a threat, blah, blah, blah. Like, there's a lot of, I mean, yeah. I just feel like that that happens. It's all so condensed mm-hmm. that any of the stuff that could have had there that could have caused a, like, you need to see con- confliction between her. Like, she, she needs to be, she needs to be like, well, I was sort of space raped by this thing, and I don't really, mm-hmm. like, but I also, it's there's now a baby inside me. And then also the whole, like, alien impregnation thing what's the first thing that you would expect it to do to its host it would put them under a spell of mm-hmm, keep mm-hmm. me don't kill me right so so they don't even question like well and maybe she's, she's not under acting its she's not acting normal right, right? she's <laughs> acting very out of the ordinary like and part of it like she's in a weird situation but it's i don't know she's still acting weird and it's just weird and yeah i mean wharf definitely um, kind of oversells it as security. He just yeah. jumps to the like, well, we better kill it. <laughs> you mean you mean immediately insisting multiple times, even <laughs> though the fact that this is 1988, yep, um, right. that the fetus be aborted yep. and aborted so right he now? <laughs> jumps a little too far, but he should. I mean, as security, once that's turned down, rightly so, he should push for the quarantine, right? right yeah. Say, well, we should at least keep it under better guard than just telling data to like, tell us when it happens, which is another continuity error um, mm-hmm. that comes up later, right? That data happens across Troy in the hallway and then goes to sickbay. And then she's like, I'm having the baby. And he's like, oh, I have to tell Worf because Captain told me and Worf about this, not the doctor mm-hmm. who's surprised by the order. The one person that would have been guaranteed to know that the pregnancy was was happening, right. the birth was happening. Yeah, yep. Right. I think I think the most disturbing thing about this this whole episode in general to me is that I you know I always like to do some background reading on it after I've seen it, um, and apparently um, Marina Sirtis like loved this episode because she felt that she had kind of been looked over in the first series for any plots because of. Um, uh, Crusher and uh, and Yar that she had kind of not gotten her sh- chance to sign. So mm-hmm. like her first chance to have a you know uh, a Troy specific episode is this. You know, well, and second, it's her first one was about arranged marriage. Oh right, that's right. You're right. Yeah. Well, she apparently thought that was not sufficient. So <laughs> well, I wouldn't have either. It wasn't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but so. it, it's uh, yeah. That's one of the problems. I think that's one of the big problems here. Uh, in that the first two. Uh, opportunities they have for this character's development um, focus on arranged marriage and the importance of marriage and then um, childbearing right yeah. it, it just goes straight to these right. are the things this character does because she's female mm-hmm. um, we can't have an interesting um, episode about you know you name it something else that happens yeah. to one of the male characters you can't have Oh, like some friend of hers comes, um, another Betazoid shows up, and they have some adventures on a holodeck or something. Can't have that episode, right? Like, and and that's the that's the glaring problem here, right? Well, yeah, I mean, as a as a character, she's already she's had like stereotypically like feminine things ratcheted up in her character already, right? So yeah. she's more empathic, you know, and all these things. So I would say you could probably write. Uh, you know, an entire like dissertation, a feminist dissertation on like the problems with her character in this show yeah. through the course of the series, you know, and that she's regularly has people like invading her mind and her body. And like, like there's just, so, <laughs> there's so many things that they do wrong with her character. Um, but you know, I don't know. I, yeah. I don't have any response to that. Well, <laughs> well, and the, the other thing that that I think, you know, we've we've talked about this episode and the way that it handles the story and, and the things that it breezes by because it's trying to... I mean, I, I heard... I think, Ed, I heard you say condensed, right? That everything is just kind of like, yeah. you know, a Cliff Notes version and then we're on to the next thing and then we're on to the next thing. I, I think, I think personally, the most damning thing about this episode is that, um, you know, we, we touched on it a little bit. The crux of this episode is a woman is invaded non-consensually by an alien being and impregnated. The episode is so tone-deaf to what just happened 
that it can't be bothered to spend the majority of the time of the episode with the character whom that happened to. Because yeah. if you add up the total screen time for Marina Sirtis and, and, and her character, Deanna Troy, I mean, you're not going to get a majority of this episode, which to me is outrageous. Um, right. The implications that, that happen because of this child, so much weight is placed on the safety of the ship, the safety of the crew, even its impact to this cargo container four decks down for crying out loud. Yeah. But we don't spend time with the one person who is at the very center of everything that has happened. We don't get to know how she feels about it. We don't get to see her struggle with the implications of it. We don't get to, I mean, nothing. Yeah. I mean, the fact that I, I'm really glad you brought up that Marina Sirtis was, was excited about this episode because I'm really surprised by that because yeah. looking at this as an, as an actor, I would think she would feel cheated because there's mm. so much that she could have and probably should yeah. have been able to do with this. But because of and, and through no fault of her own, because of the way that the episode is written, she's just not given the opportunity to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And it, 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 More, even the scene she's in, right, she sits there quietly in so many of these scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody asks her if she's okay. Yeah. And, and not to say, I mean, and not to like, say that trauma you know. wouldn't be an appropriate response here. Right. She. Oh, absolutely. She should be dramatized. Um, but but she doesn't just, have an opportunity. Like they could have easily written in a scene with yeah. her and Riker privately discussing motherhood, or yeah. the, you know the concept of it, or him asking her if she feels okay with the fact that this happened to her, yeah, uh, or if they like need to give her some extra emotional help or something, like or or none of or that station stuff. or station wharf outside and say like she's under guard, she's under your guard, and have her right. say like I don't need you, and have him, him say like No, you do, and get into an argument about it or something, like yeah something where there's, there's conflict. There's more emotional scenage dedicated to uh, you know, Wesley deciding whether or not he wants to stay on this awesome spaceship. <laughs> Which is like a, a C plot, right? And and it's a shame yeah. that his C it's, plot it's is treated as a B plot and it's it I found it actually very rather taxing, actually. I, <laughs> I was not I mean one scene with him kind of mulling stuff over is fine, but like he had he had one Kind of with he Picard, and then four, he has one on the right. deck, and he has one with in the in what is the bar called again? Ten, ten forward. Ten yep. forward. Yeah, I think he has two in ten forward. One originally yeah, two. with Picard, <laughs> and then one later with Picard, and then one with the bridge crew later. Yeah, I guess it, yeah, it's four so. or five depending on how you put them together. But yeah, yeah, just to decide if he wants to be like on the crew of this awesome spaceship or not. Like, come on, I mean. It's not a hard decision. <laughs> and that's pretty uh, much what Guinan says, right? Right. She's yeah. pretty no-nonsense about it. Yeah. <laughs> like. yeah. And it's um, the, the one thing that I will point out about that, though, that this, this whole episode just, I think it feels, you know, I, we've thrown around the words weird. We've thrown around the words that it feels off. And I think we've really kind of wrapped our arms around why it does. And it's because of the way that it handles the central story. Mm -hmm. um, but if there is anything nice about this episode, it's it's the stuff that kind of happens in the periphery. And, and yeah, there's a lot of like Wes, like, oh, I don't know if I should or not. But I will say the scene, the scene at the very end where right after he talks to Picard and then they have that <laughs> yeah. conversation about how they're going to handle it. To me, that actually, I was like, oh, okay, oh my god, this is the crew that I like, I know, right? Because Picard's being kind of, you know, almost a little cheeky about it. He's he's bringing in Riker. Riker, for crying out loud, finally shows a little warmth. He actually mm -hmm. smiles. He like because he spent most of season one being a jerk. Like, yeah. I, I mean. Here, Worf even gets some good. Uh, Worf gets a good line in there. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, "This is like heartwarming. It's fun. Like, oh, okay, this is." But it, but it's amazing to me that we have this stuff in the, uh, all around this episode, which at the heart of it is just so problematic for so many reasons. But but that ending scene, it doesn't it doesn't quite redeem it. But God, it gave me so much hope because when I saw it, I was like, "Oh, okay, more of this and less of what we just saw for the last forty two minutes, please." Mm -hmm. Like like that. Well, and. And it largely feels like they just don't know what else to add. Yeah. Like they're like, well, she got she got impregnated, got that yeah. taken care of. Now, now the kids just got to grow, and uh, then it'll just go away. Cool. <laughs> yeah. That was the plot, right? <laughs> and they don't know what else to fill it with. He goes and plays with puppies. Another the semi-continuity er error, because why would they have dogs on the Enterprise? Right. And then yeah. why mm -hmm. would they be breeding dogs on the Enterprise? Yep. 
Um, or did they are those like holographic puppies? Which I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Best not to think about it for a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Although, can we talk about the various uh, versions of Ian Andrew? Um, sure. The because uh, there's there's you know the newborn baby. There's the four year old one. There's the eight year old one, and and that's it. But like, they're both creepy. Like the four year old and the eight year old yeah. are both terrifying. I was wondering if it was just the HD um, or not, but it seemed like a lot of the, a lot of the makeup in this one was overdone to the point of being able to see it on uh, on the HD. Data's makeup um, in particular. Yeah, and and it's I, I wasn't sure if it was like maybe season two they like were like oh we need more of it and then they toned it back they, they realized it didn't really work on film or whatever or if this was just showing up in HD. Yeah, yeah. The w- next two episodes it it was not as bad. Yeah. With the older, with the older Ian, I thought that I just kind of assumed he looked that way because they were trying their hardest to make him look like Troy, um, mm. like make him a little, maybe a little bit more feminine and a little, you know, like accentuate like his his eyebrows and his eyes. But I could be wrong. He he looks just as creepy as an adult. I looked up a picture of him. Oh man, he's uh, he's thirty eight now, but he holy uh, cow, wow. Yeah, he, and he's a self described entrepreneur. So his, you should read his uh, Facebook or not Facebook is a Wikipedia page. If you get a chance, it's uh, clearly written by him. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah. It's very fun to read, Very nice. but uh, there's a, there's like a headshot picture of him and he looks, he has the same creepy look in his eyes as he does in the show. So I would highly encourage anyone who's curious to take a look. His name is RJ Williams. I am uh, not going to be looking that up. Yeah. <laughs> nightmare fodder, but yeah, you know, I, well, that, I wanted to see him turn into an old man. I, I yeah, I, yeah. They should have gone too short a season on him. <laughs> no, um, no, they shouldn't have. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so I, some of the background reading I did on this. Tony mentioned that this is the highest-rated episode since Too Short a Season uh, in in the in the show's run original wow. run. Um, and uh, apparently, the reason that they brought out all those facts and everything is because they were kind of concerned about viewership, um, and they really wanted to wow people and. Uh, it didn't somehow didn't extend to the ball of light that comes through the sh- the, the ship, yeah, but, no, you know, uh-uh. but you know, really they had their three D models and they yeah, had she their didn't really have a good idea of where it was at all times. Which I mean, <laughs> right. that's not to fault her. That's not to fault. I mean, oh no, definitely <laughs> not. And apparently, there was like a writer's strike at this time too, um, and they recycled this script like three times from previous pitches for other shows. Yeah, uh, it actually was. Uh, it, I believe it uh, it started as a phase two script. Um, so it was, uh, you know, phase two was the, the series that was to be after the original Trek, um, before right. Star Trek, the next generation, uh, scrap that in favor of doing Star Trek, the motion picture. What a great idea that was. Um, but, but this script and I believe, um, devils do were both earmarked specifically for, for possible reusage or, or I guess first time usage because they were so worried about the, the screenwriters guild strike never wound up using devil's do, but they did eventually do uh, devil's do uh, later in the, in the run of star Trek, the next generation. It's a vastly superior episodes, not a, not a you know, barn burner of an episode, but it's decent enough. Hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, this one was, was plucked right out of uh, phase two. Apparently in the first draft of the script, because it was written for uh, for that Star Trek show, Uhura and Chekhov were both possible host bodies for the alien baby uh, before finally settli- settling on Ilea, if you remember her from Star Trek the motion picture. So. Oh, well, uh, and, and that's an interesting take on this, right? The, that one of the ways that this could have been maybe a little more... Um, the sci-fi a little more of a thought experiment is if it's not a female character that gets picked to um hold the child right yeah yep like if this had happened to Riker um and then you run a lot of these scenes um you see how silly these scenes would be and these this take on this would be and it allows that that contrast to say oh yeah I guess this is really silly the way we would treat a woman in this situation right um because of how silly it would be um, to do the same thing, uh, you know, naturally to to a man in that situation. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. That that would have been a, a far better episode. <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe Junior came out too close to it. When did that come out? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't want I don't want to look that up. Uh, 
But the um, the other thing that I thought was uh, was really silly is uh, I mean we're we're talking about how the ending of this this episode is so bad, but I think also the thing that that kind of sucks about it is so the child Ian Andrew dies because he's like I have to go now, garg, and then <laughs> yep. when he does, he turns back into a ball of light. Troy holds the ball of light, cries. And then literally, to continue the deus ex machina thing, just, like, tells the exposition. Yeah, and that was rough for me, just from... I mean, there's no lazier writing than just saying, oh, yeah, by the way, this guy told me all the things he wanted to know, so I'm going to tell him to you. Yep, (laughs) yep. I mean, at that point, I was just like, oh, come on now. Like, whoops, yeah. we're out of time, and we haven't wrapped up any loose ends on the storyline. So here they are. Yeah, yeah, and and that b- ball of light as a as a being for some reason can determine that it's a threat to like the broader crew by being there, but for yeah. some reason can't determine that it's a threat by you know forcibly impregnating one person. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. um, like. No problem with that, but uh, you know, my, my piece is said I, I did what I wanted to do, so I'm just gonna peace out. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it was just. If, at least maybe they could have like salvaged it a bit to say that like it was affecting her mind or something, and that's why she was like, "Yeah, I'm completely cool with all this stuff that happened." You know, like right, there's right. is there any follow up? Like, there's no consequences for this. Like, there's no flashbacks later in the series. or Well, and you know, they went to great extents to try to strip away anything that would have been a negative aspect of this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, when, I guess she likes it, so she Well, yeah, and it's like, kid, oh, so. well, like, she's having the kid, and she's like, oh, you want pain stuff? And like, nope, no pain, nothing at all. Yep. And then they... That's like, why they oh. didn't have to wipe the kid down. There was no... Yeah. There was no of the, none of the negative effects of uh, childbirth. <laughs> teleported the, out. The gooey stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then Pulaski has a conversation with Picard about, like, yeah, there was absolutely no trauma. Like, the kid was super happy coming out. Like, super happy. Nothing went wrong. I, I wouldn't even be able to tell that she had a kid. Like... Yeah. A-OK. This, this alien didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. It's like, oh, man. You literally had to spell it out. We were we were worried about this alien being bad. This alien's a stand-up guy. Whatever's yeah, he's going, yeah. going on, going yeah. to great lanes to make sure this is just a okay. Yeah, yeah. Yep. That was and there's there's a lot of that throughout the episode as as we've kind of pointed out. So I, I think yeah, it, it bears all the tenets of a of a really really poorly slapped together episode. Um, you know yeah, what? and I don't know if it's just something about. So uh, lately, I've been thinking a lot about. Uh, portray- I just watched Stranger Things on Netflix, and I'm not going to talk about that. But I, I thought a lot about the portrayal of female characters, especially in stuff that was done in the 80s. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and that show was meant to bring back the 80s, and unfortunately, it brings back exactly the same way women were treated in shows and movies in that era. Oh, bummer! But yeah, but the thing about this is we're not really even talking about it. This is the this is the introduction of. Uh, uh, Pulaski, right? And, I was and, just about to bring that up. Yeah. You know, there's that convenient, like, well, we the, the other lady's gone because she's now ahead of this thing. Okay, good. Now we're on to this new lady who just happens to be a lush is in a, and is in the bar, you know, shouldn't be well, reporting the deck. And Picard doesn't know her name. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so Picard says, like, oh, uh, yeah, doctor. Mm, doctor. Mm, yeah, uh, Data has to jump in and say, Pulaski, sir. Yeah, and, and then God, he's like, oh, computer, where is she? And it's like 1040. He's like, mm. Well, that's not okay. And like, right. oh, you didn't even know her name. Like, <laughs> also not okay. And she's Mister. like super mean to Data in this oh, episode man. too. Let's, you know? Yeah, she. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised it took so long to get to Pulaski. Um, but yeah, she's such a jerk in this episode. Like, man. Well, it seemed to me like I, I guess they're trying to differentiate her, and so they were like, well, let's make her more like a you know wisecracking well, character. Well, she has who's... the conversation with Data and calls him Data, and yeah. then she jumps up and like has this smug moment where she like fake scans him because obviously she's fake scanning him. She's not mm-hmm. looking for like whatever right. she said, and. It's like she's being so super smug that, like, man, I'm having a great time having a laugh at this guy's expense. Yeah. And if there was another person in the room, it could at least be inferred that, like, she was showing off for that person and trying yeah. to be, like, some sort of different type of jerk. Yeah. But she's already decided, and, and 
explicitly said that like he doesn't have feelings and he can't get jokes so she's not even doing it for him to hurt his feelings she's just doing it for like some sick sense of like (laughs) i'm a jerk and in my private time alone i'd be a jerk in a mirror right (laughs) yeah that's totally that's that's a great observation Yeah, this is going to become. Um, I know it. This is going to become the season of Pulaski bashing because if yeah. I don't throw my microphone across the room by the end of this season. I think I'm just going to count that one a win. So, <laughs> but I mean, I, that, what a way to just turn your fans off to that person immediately. Yeah, yep. like you make her into a villain right from the start. Yep. You know, yeah, you know, she's picking have on a beloved character. Yeah. yeah, she and and we'll we'll continue to go down this road because it's it's actually it's not just this uh, episode. Yeah, it'll keep popping up. Where I mean, I I know for a fact that the next two episodes will also feature similar troublesome uh, interactions between Pulaski and Data, and it's almost like I mean. In case you were hoping that in watching this, if you haven't watched the series up to this point, in case you were hoping, oh, well, Pulaski is just a jerk here and then they're going to let that go. They're not going to let that go. And I think I, I think amongst many of the mistakes that were made in season two, that was probably one of the biggest ones is that uh, Dr. Pulaski just didn't really have a chance with the fans because at this mm-hmm. point, even this early in the show, Data is one of the, the fan favorites. I mean, he's he's a really... He's lovable for a lot of different reasons, and and to immediately have a character who's supposed to now fit in with the crew, who already is a season behind, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, we have a season relationship with with all this these other characters, except for this newbie who shows up and immediately is like, data, data, pff, whatever. Oh, oh, well, now your feelings are hurt. Ooh, let me scan you. Ooh, you know, <laughs> she may as well have like you know given him a noogie and like pulled yeah. his underwear up or something. And, he, and was, he's <laughs> lovable. He's lovable because of his innocence and the fact that she makes fun of him and says like data, uh, data, and then he says, you know, well that's just not my name. Like he he doesn't stoop to her level. Yeah. Right? He's such a innocent and lovable character at this point. He's been established as such that he's not going to um, be a jerk back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that then sets it up. That's the the best way to shut down that kind of bully, right? So in front of the audience, she's been shut down as someone who's not a good person. Yeah. And yep. that's really hard to recover from. Yeah. And, and, there, and, and rather than, you know, try it and go... Okay, well, that was probably a misstep, but uh, we can recover. They just they just double down. Yep, and keep doubling down, <laughs> keep doubling down. Yeah. So that's gonna get that's gonna get worse. <laughs> it's not gonna get much better. That that's gonna get worse. Um, mm-hmm. Well, and and also her medical incompetence. I mean, we we've already hit on it a few times, but like she just doesn't get certain stuff about medicine. Yeah, like and it's written in there. It's even unclear why. Like she bashes on genetics for a while. It's like, well, you're a doctor, right? Like, (laughs) I think you have to be at least a little okay with genetics. And yeah, presumably all this technology that heals you really quickly and everything has something to do with that. You're probably doing at least a little gene therapy. And she's like, oh, yeah, there was a geneticist and like geneticists are bad. Yeah. And I get I get the impression that that. Dr. Catherine Pulaski was written by someone who saw Leonard yeah. McCoy in the original Didn't series. Have a medical degree? Yeah. No, someone who no. Didn't well, have a medical also degree. probably, yeah. But but saw you know saw Dr. McCoy and went. Oh yeah, we need some of that, and then didn't get at all why Doctor McCoy was a successful character. Like, yep. oh, McCoy's right. kind of a jerk. Yep. Let's make her a jerk. And it's like, no, he wasn't a jerk. He was he was kind of. He was almost Han Solo-esque in a way where he was kind of, you know, the brigand with a heart of gold. Like, he he would make some cracks and stuff, but you knew underneath he really cared. Whereas Dr. Pulaski is never given an opportunity to show that she's anything other than a mean-spirited person. Like, it's just... Right. And it's it's tough. It's tough, too, because women get, you know, for the same type of behavior, kind of get treated differently, right? They, They... what comes off as cool and a guy might come yeah. off as bitchy and a girl, right? Just sort of culturally. And so I think right. if you try to write her just like a guy, then she's going to come off as just really cold. And, well, you know, it's... And, and part of the problem, though, is that McCoy picked on people who could take it and deal it back. Yes. At least mm-hmm. a little. That's and, true, and too. And yeah. she picks on the one person on the ship who can't. Yes. Yeah. I, I, yeah. And I think, I think it would have been really interesting to have her act... Uh, that way with other members of the crew yeah. you know other if people who was, would have sparred she, with her if she was a jerk to Riker by all means like he's been a jerk the first season like 
let him yeah. have it. That would have been kind of fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but yeah, uh, hmm. yeah such a weird, well, weird and, choice. And what it largely comes off as is that she's picking on him not because of his personality or anything like that, but because of what he is. Right. Which is then just prejudice. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, well, that is um, that is the child. I mean, I think we've uh, we we've talked around it. The 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 good news is. That this one, you know, this one's pretty rocky, but they start to improve after this um, yeah, yeah. a little bit. But I'm curious now. We uh, we, we need to render our verdict. Um, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna call out one. I just want to give Ed props for catching that DNA bit, like another mm-hmm. one of those tiny bits that I think got lost earlier. But yeah, mm-hmm. if this kid has the same DNA as Troy. Like, where'd his Y chromosome come from? That's just... (laughs) They they just did a carbon copy and then, like, chopped it, I guess? And just cut that corner off. But, yeah, that's a good catch. (laughs) So it's crazy geneticists, you know? I can't believe I missed that, but good catch, Ed. Good catch. (laughs) Well, because that was immediately my thought. It was like, it wasn't the one they're going, oh, half human, half betazoid. I was like, okay, well, she's half human, half beta. And then then they follow up with the line of, identical to her in every way. Yeah, except a dude. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yep. I mean, it would be so much creepier if it was a little version of her. Yeah, like, really, right? If she had, like, given birth to her clone. Exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. That would have been so much more interesting. <laughs> Actually, that would have been, yeah. yeah. Well, they're, they're, we can rewrite this episode uh, a hundred times over, probably. Sure, but, uh, sure. But, yeah. uh, so, Ed, as our guest, um, you get to go first. Um, up or down vote, do we add this to the watch list, or, or is this best skipped and left in the dustbin of history? So I always forget: is this a watch list for casual viewers or people who are are like wanting to be well? There's only one right answer here, Ed. Well, <laughs> here's the thing: I think there's a lot of premieres here. So as Ooh, bad as it is, true. I think you know people. If people forget this episode, they forget a lot of these sort of you know, like you said, it's it's nice to see like the promotion of Jordy, and yep. uh, you know, it's nice to see a couple of those things. So I think for and and you know. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg's character, which I can never say her name properly, Guinan. 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 Yep. She's never like she's she's a very beloved character going forward. So it is kind of nice to see her for the first time. You know, I so I think and I'm a big fan of comic books, so I like the you know the first appearance of characters, and so I ah. think for that reason, I would say I, I, that's worth watching. <laughs> oh man. But okay. I'm a guest, so I don't have to. You know, I don't live or die by the the suggestions I'm making. You guys do. <laughs> yeah, so you don't. You don't have to live good with luck. this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so Paul. Yeah, so I mean, the next time Guinan shows up would just be the first time she shows up, right? And <laughs> if you imagine a friend ha- has been watching this with you, like in in real time back in the '80s, and they missed this episode, and then next week Jordy shows up, and they're like, "Hey, he's running engineering. Did he get a promotion?" Like the answer to that is just yeah, and then that's solved. <laughs> it's just yep, he did. And so, as much as I like the, and oh, I, I, we haven't mentioned O'Brien's in this episode. Yes, by the way, O'Brien. Oh, right. This episode, yeah. Yeah, O'Brien yeah. shows up. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would have tipped in, you know, my favor a little bit. But it's no, it's not. It's not. It's not worth it. It's not worth it for those little one-offs. Um, no one should watch this episode. Hmm, Paul, I'm in trouble here. <laughs> yeah, you are. I'm. Uh, I've got to make the the deciding vote, and and I'll be honest with you. Um, I, too, am a person who enjoys service to continuity and enjoys first appearances and uh, enjoys What part knowing. is lost, though? What, you, uh, know. Th- you know, so several things happen. It, it's, so every single one of those things, you are right, can be, can be explained pretty quickly. However, um, it's all dealt with in this episode that Jordy gets a promotion, so he's down in engineering. Um uh, Gates McFadden has left the show, so Dr. Beverly mm-hmm. Crusher, um, you know, was promoted to Starfleet Medical, and she's not here. Dr. Catherine you know, Pulaski is... It would also is, work is if we just didn't watch any season two, and then the next episode we watched was in season one, and she was just back. <laughs> 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 and we never have to deal with Catherine Pulaski. Yeah, but, yeah, but no, yeah, I don't think so. I mean, uh, hmm. <laughs> hmm. I'm gonna say watch it, but but brace yourself because it's sure. it's bad. Um, this one's on you guys. Yeah, it's because they're um, 
Yes, it's a bad episode. Yes, we just talked for for multiple. You know, I mean, we we explored that, but but there's all these little hints around the corner of the show that it's going to be, and there's some good stuff here to take with you uh, to to remember throughout the run of the show because these these people are slowly moving into the roles that where they're going to be comfortable. They're 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 dealing with each other in ways which are more natural. I mean, I I do feel like aside from the the roundtable discussion of of doom and gloom with what do we do with this fetus, um, Riker is is actually his most Riker that he's ever been in the show in this well, episode. That he's been, but he's going to be Riker next week. I know, I know, but it's but it's important to to see the change. And this episode is, uh, for better or worse, it is it, you're seeing a change happen. There is. Um, there's a lot of different choices that they're making about characters and what they're doing with them and why they're important. And yeah, the plot in this episode sucks, but all the all the background stuff that makes Star Trek Star Trek is beginning to come into greater focus. And I feel like that's why season two is ultimately redeemable and why we can't just flash forward through season two also. Um, because so much of this happens. There's some real stinkers in this season. Don't get me wrong. Oh yeah, but there's including this one. Yeah, but there's also this is the season which has uh, you know measure of a man in it. Um, yep. This is uh, so. I mean, they they are going to start getting things right, and they're going to start getting things right in really important ways. And this episode is is interesting to watch because, in spite of itself, you can see that happening. So I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say watch. Wow. So. I'm already skating court descent for this one. <laughs> but, <laughs> but listeners can also just direct that uh, hate mail at Jason. At, I think uh, I won this one. podcast.com. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Ed, thank you for helping us cast the uh, deciding vote. Uh, Absolutely. And, and thanks for being on the show. It's always fun. You're on the wrong here. side of history, Ed. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> if uh, people want to find you on the internet, what's uh, the best way to do that? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Edomaniac, and uh, I actually have a podcast of my own that by the time this airs should be back on the air for its uh, fourth season called Prime Flicks, nice. Uh, nice, nice. wherein we will be discussing at some point Stranger Things. So if you want to hear my thoughts on that, uh, you can check that out. I do, and I, I think our listeners should. So awesome. Uh, we will have you back, I'm sure. So hopefully uh, the bribe that I paid you to win me <laughs> over on, on this episode, I'll let me know what your standard <laughs> fee is next time, and we'll work that out. So You got it. All right. Uh, until next time, I'm Jason. And I'm Ball. And, um, you know, just remember, Strong watch out. Strong descent. <laughs> Paul, you'd better start writing that now. <laughs> we'll see you next week. I can feel that some of the people are very worried. Yes, I feel it too. But don't you worry. It's me, Mommy. I'm the reason. What? It's me. You? Yes. I have to leave you now. It'll be very bad for everyone. What are you saying? I have to go now. My planet needs me. <laughs> <laughs>